I love what I do, man. I love the journey and the business and winning. Our whole entire world has changed. The new cool guy is the smart guy. There's always a spot at the table for the smart guy. You want to learn something everywhere you go. In every situation, it's a way to learn. If you keep investing in yourself, if you do that, it's inevitable you'll win. You just got to become undeniable. Undeniable is definitely a word that describes Mark Mastrandrea, known on social media as Mark Brazil. He's the co-founder and CEO of digital art company Iconic, and his is a story of grit, determination, persistence, self-growth, focused effort, and now massive success. This conversation will detail how Mark built Iconic into an eight-figure brand and one that reflects his own DNA. I'm grateful to Mark for taking the time to share his story and insights with this audience, and I hope his ideas can help you on your path to becoming undeniable. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I am super honored and fired up to have Mark Mastrandrea as my guest today. You may know him as Mark Brazil on social media. He is the co-founder and CEO of Iconic, which is an eight-figure art company, digital art company, one of the most well-known digital art companies in the world. In reality, though, Mark's company, Iconic, is not an art company any more than Cutco Vector is a knife company. In fact, Iconic is inspiring and motivating people through images, quotes, and stories. Mark does have a background having sold Cutco for a summer in the summer of 2004 with Joey Gianelli in New York City. He was a student at University of Delaware at that time. Mark Brazil, welcome to the podcast. We've finally done it. Thanks for your patience. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Cutco brings back a lot of interesting memories for me. It was one of my first jobs. So I am excited to, to talk to your audience, bring you guys value and uh, have a good conversation with you. Thanks. I appreciate your time and uh, the value you're going to bring here. I've heard you say, Mark, about Iconic. We don't sell art, we sell passion. Uh, why don't we start by having you unpack that? Yeah, I would just say kind of that's brand 101. It's kind of in the same kind of core thesis that people do business with people. They don't do business with products. I think people engage with something based on an emotional connection as opposed to just simply a product. And for us, that has been the emotional connection that directly ties into to who we are as humans and leaders of the company. 
myself and Jeff were two kind of scrappy, under-incentivized, underutilized uh, employees turned entrepreneurs that our journey, we wanted to tell our journey and our story through art. So that motivation, that inspiration, and obviously seeps through with the images, with the words. And we knew there would be a day that we would want to do more than just art. So we really just kind of centered all of our media, all of our content, and all of our product around that identity. And for the sake of this conversation, it's a a great learning lesson. There was a point in time a bit back where uh, we made a decision, it was the wrong decision, to kind of go into other art pockets, uh, whether it be abstract or minimalism or pop art, but not necessarily have that that motivational identity. Mm. And it didn't resonate. Still, that motivational entrepreneur, the stuff that's that's behind you in the backdrop is what always has done best. So we made a decision to keep that identity, double down on that brand, that emotion, and uh, launch more products, more product mediums. We've started with some small, simple stuff, mugs, notebooks. Uh, we're actually, I've never said it anywhere, I'm actually about to launch apparel as well uh, shortly. And it's going to be some you know pop culture relevant apparel that's got kind of that subtle motivational entrepreneurial feel. So yeah, for anybody out there building a brand, I always recommend that it has to have that same DNA as the founders of people driving the company. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately it's about identifying kind of that, that core persona, that person that you want to attract to your quote unquote tribe. And then everything that you do should be around attracting that tribe. So for me, the shirt that I'm wearing right now, ironically enough, it is a Vintage stone wash, enzyme wash, $55 t shirt. It's got a graphic on the back. This is the same type of shirts that we're launching. So, our persona is myself, my business partner. So, we're, we're, you know, the people that are putting out the message are the people that we want to attract to our tribe. You know, obviously, it goes without saying, you know, the same thing with Cutco. Obviously, it's a great product and our art is a great product as well. But I think to go to that next level, there needs to be some sort of kind of culture or message behind it. Yeah. I love that it reflects you and your partner, Jeff Cole, I know is uh, your partner that you co-founded the company with. And the, the whole idea of trying to find the right, figure out what tribe are you looking to attract? One of the reasons I was so excited to talk with you is I feel like the Cutco Vector Marketing tribe is exactly in your sweet spot. It's exactly the kind of people that love to share motivational ideas and concepts and are inspired by the kind of art that you guys have and, and the clothing is going to be right up the alley of uh, of our crew, I'm sure. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's ironic because when you have a culture and core values, you know, from a core values perspective, it's not what you put on the walls, it's what you do and what you embody. I don't even know, to tell you, to be frank with you, what the kind of core identity is of Cutco. What I get out of it, and it's just my personal interpretation, and it seems like it's probably spot on, is just like, it's a, it's obviously a great product, but it's like it's for the hustler and the entrepreneur that wants to kind of get these systems and these tools and then kind of run your own business. Yeah, um, I remember myself and all my buddies that did it. It was the same uh, group of guys that uh, would shovel snow, uh, would go around the neighborhood and shovel snow. Uh, the same guys that you know when I was eight years old had a lemonade stand. It was it was a great kind of uh, intro into sales and entrepreneurship for me. So I definitely kind of see that core alignment with both brands there. Yeah. And I could be wrong. Is that, is that what it is? No, I think so. Yeah. I think, I think you're exactly right. I think we attract people from all sorts of parts of the spectrum, but that what you said 
that the person that wants to, to really get ahead, the person that wants to learn as much as they can so that they can be a, a mover and shaker in the future, an entrepreneur in the future. That to me is a, who really resonates with the experience of selling Cutco. Yeah. Love it. Where did the idea for Iconic emerge from? And, and also, how did you, uh, how'd you come up with the name? The idea. So I was CMO of a hat company called Melon. It's the hat I'm actually wearing right now. It's an older version. It's a very big hat company now. I was touring the US on a branded tour bus, tour bus, uh, four months, 42 states, 175 retailers, traveling the world, you know, sleeping in, in the bus and Walmart parking lots, taking 20 second showers, learning about retail and brand. We ultimately ended up raising a million dollars on that tour. Uh, I went into a store called Laced in Boston. I met a tattoo artist. His name was TJ Bransfield. He wanted to become a fine artist. At that time, I was living in LA, started becoming good friends with Rob Kardashian. TJ wanted to become a fine artist. So he actually made a piece for Rob. I gave it to Rob. Rob posted it on Instagram. Uh, TJ, now known as Timmy Sneaks, we, we, we rebranded him, uh, got tons of emails. And he goes, I don't know how to answer these emails. Can you answer them, Mark? Uh, at that time, I wasn't making much money. I go, sure. So I don't know when it was, maybe a week, two weeks later, uh, a guy named Anthony Tedesco in North Jersey. I sold him a piece of art for, I think it was $1,500. And I uh, became an art dealer. And the next kind of two, three years, 2014-ish to 2016-ish, uh, I realized that most people couldn't afford the art. I'd be answering all of these emails. And at that time, I think I was a fairly seasoned salesman and marketer. Uh, people couldn't afford it. So I go, Hey, why don't we drop a limited time, uh, print and see how it does. And we made 20 grand in, in, in two days. So I was like, okay, there's a huge hole in this affordable art market. Mm-hmm. And fast forward to 2016, uh, I was living in Carlsbad, San Diego with my now business partner, Jeff Cole, who was the graphic designer for melon. I had known Jeff at that point for five, six years, uh, very, very talented artist. And uh, yeah, we were just both fed up and under-incentivized, underutilized, uh, underpaid. And we were two guys that worked really, really hard and had invested an insane amount into ourselves. And uh, the same could be said, obviously, every day, all day. We're always learning. And I told him about this idea. I was like, man, there's a huge hole in this market, man. And he started blowing up on Instagram. And he's very, very good at kind of identifying where the puck is going and saw that on Instagram, everybody was posting uh, motivational quotes, pop culture, memes, photography. So we actually looked on the walls in our little piece of crap, Carlsbad apartment. And he had all these canvases from his old apartment in Chicago, this company that he printed them with five, six years ago. And he's like, man, why don't we just start drop shipping art? And I was like, all right. And we went on Trademarkia. It was a mix between Trademarkia.com uh, for you little hustlers out there, trademarkia.com is a quick place to see uh, if your trademark is taken or not or abandoned. And obviously GoDaddy to get a good domain. And I remember we were on a, we were broke. We were on a turkey diet. He was cooking the turkey in the kitchen. I was sitting on the kitchen table and we just kept <laughs> kept firing off a bunch of names. I remember another name. It was called Banks. B-A-N-X was another one that was very close. I mean, yeah, man, we just rifted for a day, uh, came up with a name iconic, secured it uh, on GoDaddy and on trademarket.com. And we use that same production from five, six years ago, who now our production is now actually our investor and business partner. It's a, it's a great case of great customer service. It was a six-year lead time and we went with them and now we built a big business. Yeah, man. And we just started dropshipping art. We thought nothing of it. 
I remember days where we'd make a thousand dollars and we thought we were destroying life. And 2016 Black Friday, I think we did like 15 grand, 10, 15, 20 grand. And we're like, wow, this is crazy. And then in March of 2017, we learned about digital marketing, Facebook, Instagram, and Google ads. And then that's when things went absolutely apeshit right away. Yeah. So the early days, you kept your day job and you were working nights on Iconic, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was all 2016 and then 2017 in March, we did six figures and then we went, we grew 13 months in a row. Uh, I was working 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. till night for probably, I always say this wrong. I really should go check. I don't know, three, $4 million uh, in revenue. We were doing part-time. And then it just got to a point, I'm a little bit more uh, aggressive than Jeff. We wanted to wait until uh, we were very uh, sales heavy on, on uh, a couple SKUs. So once the kind of SKU started evening out, we were like, okay, we have a real business. Uh, I remember to this day today that we that we quit the other thing that we were doing. And I mean, those days, uh, I will remember those days. They make me so happy. It was just me and him again. I mean, it was literally me, him, his 15-year-old brother was helping us uh, process orders. And then we had a guy doing our Facebook. And it was just this savage... I mean, the first seven, eight months, we like didn't even leave our place. We were just so excited to do our own thing. So it was... Uh, I'll remember those days fondly forever. 2017 was a, was a good one. That's awesome. And it's not really work or a grind when you're building something you're passionate about and particularly something that you own, right? Yeah. It's not always the case, but the reason why we loved Iconic so much, especially in the beginning, it was what you put in, you got out. So the more effort, the more work you put in, the more money you made. And the same can be said with Cutco. The more calls, the more appointments, the longer you stay. I mean, you look at all those kind of those mini metrics, you control your own destiny and the more money you make. So that was what got us the most excited because I mean, at the at the prior job, uh, I actually have. You probably can't see it. I don't want to. I don't want to screw this up. But I have a uh, thirty five hundred dollars tattooed on my wrist. Yeah, I was told I wasn't worth thirty five hundred dollars a month, and I was busting my ass. I mean, I was working Saturdays, working Sundays, and I wasn't making more than forty two thousand dollars a year. So when we found that the more work we put in, the more money we made, it was just uh, the quickest addiction you can ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Awesome. What do you feel like were some of the biggest challenges you overcame in in those early days? I have been uh, an entrepreneur since I'm 17. I've done like Cutco. I worked at Sports Start for a month and got fired. Uh, I've done a bunch of internships uh, in finance. My dad was a Wall Street guy, but I've never really had real jobs. So as as far as like the initial kind of entrepreneurship hiccups, I had gotten past that because I mean I started this when I was uh, I think 30. So for me, it was more of you know the problems that you come across when you start becoming like a real player. You start doing like you know at least a couple million dollars. Uh, we had someone that we worked with that was a former media buyer of, our, of ours. Take our email list, take our customer list, steal our designs. So I think learning how cutthroat business was that was hard for me. Not so much for me, more my business partner. He's an artist, so he was a bit more emotional. I don't really tie emotion to business in that sense, but. How cutthroat business can be, that was tough. When you build a team, I always say that business uh, ultimately is just a bunch of people doing a bunch of things, people being the most important thing. Those people, you can bring in one wrong person and it could ruin things in a big way. So I would say finding the right people and uh, keeping the right people and keeping them motivated. So I would say kind of knockoffs, finding the right people. And to be frank with you, man, outside of that, the beginning 
uh, looking back, we were just on a tear. And it wasn't until in the recent years, we really had to, to battle some new battles. But in the beginning, man, we were just going so fast. And, you know, there's something to be said about businesses that are light in people and are quick and are nimble. The bigger you get, the more people, the more fat you get. So yeah, man, we, uh, we definitely were light and nimble. And then we kind of scaled up a bit. And since then, we've actually scaled down in people, actually, and just doing less things better. It's proven to be better for us. So yeah, man, the beginning was just uh, cutthroat, savage competition, and then finding the right people. Yeah, great points. Doing less things better, I think, is something that can resonate with a lot of people when they try to think about their operations and what they're trying to get done. Yep. So you you guys exploded when you got onto Facebook, Instagram. Tell me a little bit about how your marketing process has evolved. Wow, it's uh, completely different. So it started where it's ironic because I have like I'm Brazilian, so like my hands, I have, I have like little hair around uh, my hands. And if you look at all of our our early ads, like Jeff was using his iPhone and I was the model, so you can actually see they were all my hands. It started in the beginning that we were just really, really gritty. A lot of iPhone photos, a lot of influencers focusing really on Facebook and Instagram. And usually, you know, you could say in almost all industries, you know, the creative is the independent variable that can take marketing dollars far, not far. That's what's the most important. So we were always kind of iterating in the beginning. We would like take pictures with hot girls, we take pictures in front of cars, these computer generated graphics, pictures of me holding stuff up. We do iPhone videos. It was really, really centered around, I don't know, like iPhone videos and influencers. Those were kind of our big things in the beginning on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, as the company's involved, we've shifted very heavily onto Google. Uh, we have a great business on Google. We've built out that team. Having tons of these official licenses, whether it be Muhammad Ali, Upper Deck has Tiger Woods, uh, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and we have Monopoly and Peanuts. Being able to bid on those and obviously having the official license has been huge for us. And then recently, it's, it's very recent, we've started to emerge in a big way on kind of these new uh, kind of emerging platforms. One of them is TikTok. Another one is, is YouTube. Our YouTube is starting to really, really gain ground. And I can say the one thing that was the biggest for us, and it was one of the most important things for us when, uh, when we had, I wouldn't say it was at our height, but when we had the least problems was when we were producing the most media. We had a web series that was very big. I had a guy follow me around for 18 months. Uh, then we had a podcast that was very big. Uh, and then COVID happened. And then we moved to Arizona and we stopped doing that. We are moving back to LA by January and we are going back in this game. So just like you're doing a podcast, uh, we'll have long form, we'll have short form. Um, we're building out our media team in a, in a big, big way to have some great editors. So our marketing has really shifted from in the beginning, it was really just Facebook and Instagram. Then we layered in Google. COVID was good to us in 2020 because everyone was kind of updating their at-home offices and such. And then for the people listening, I don't, I don't know how many marketers are out there. There's something called the iOS update, the Apple update with Facebook. That, I mean, that's putting tons of businesses out of business. Uh, that hurt us in a, in a very, very big way. And that for me, I think like as the leader of the company has probably been one of the most, not that I need to prove anything to myself, but I'm very confident in the relationship I have with myself, but how we've adjusted and pivoted off Facebook and you know, found other ways to make money. We've, we've diverted and uh, diversified into wholesale as well. We're in some pretty big stores. Yeah, it's just, it's all about, they say if it's not broke, don't break it. But I actually disagree with that in some sense. 
from a marketing lens, uh, things change so fast that when you're winning, you should obviously double down on what's working for you, but you also need to be thinking about what's next. And I didn't act quick enough on the iOS Facebook update. I mean, I did, but I could have acted way faster and we would have been in a way better position way, way earlier. So um, for anybody out there, I would just say like diversification of marketing channels is huge. I also saw you talking about marketing and, and you talked about having a content strategy that's based on who you are. Does this speak back to what we talked about earlier with how you guys founded Iconic and just the, you know, the idea that it, it would reflect on your own personalities and the things that, uh, that inspire you? Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is there's been opportunities that we've had that myself and Jeff have not done because we just didn't think it was, you know, native to our true authentic self. And I can tell you like authenticity always wins. I would say that I'm like, uh, I air, you know, if you look at kind of all different types of CEOs, I'm probably on the edgy side and a bit more out there and brash. And I curse, I guess you could say, I haven't cursed at all. I'm, I'm proud of myself. And I know that's going to uh, detract some people, but it's going to attract the people that kind of see through it and value what I have to say for, for what it is. Uh, it's the same with Gary, who's you know a mentor, an investor, a business partner of ours. Is like People tune him out because he curses, but they're just missing all of the other good stuff that comes with it. So yeah, I, you have to stay authentic anything and everything. Uh, I'm really, really excited for us to bring back media in a big way. Us just repurposing our old media right now is absolutely destroying it. I have a lot to say. I've changed as a human. Our whole entire company has changed. We all have growth mindsets. So I'm excited to explore and talk to new people, new things. Uh, our company's expanded in a big way into Web3 and NFTs. That's something that's going to be really exciting to usher in the mainstream and Web2 people into Web3. So yeah, you got to be authentic. And it's a joke to everybody that knows me. I am half an idiot at 99.9% of things in the world. I'm terrible at the directions. I don't know how to ride a bike. I don't know a lot. I'm terrible, man. But there's very, very few things that I will... I'll take me against anybody in the world. And I just focus on that. So you'll see when I'm talking about stuff, I'm really only talking about stuff that I know and I've been in, in the dirt on. And uh, I'm not... I would, I'll literally just say I don't know the answer. If I don't know the answer, I'm not one to like speak on stuff that I don't know. So if you're confident speaking about the stuff that you're passionate about and is authentic to you and your audience, that's, that's what will resonate. That's a great insight. Just really, really strong concepts for people to think about as they consider what they want to build and how they want to build it and having something that really resonates with who you are. So, and I love that you're playing to your strengths, Mark. I mean, it, it's clear that you're really good at what you do and you're, you're making the most of of uh, you know the opportunities that you've built for yourself, so that's great. Was there a particular product or skew that really exploded Iconic's results that you can remember? It was more kind of widespread ac across multiple SKUs. You're always going to have kind of the eighty twenty where you get eighty percent of your business from twenty percent of the SKUs. Uh, there wasn't one particular one. I, I think for us, uh, when we got the Muhammad Ali license and the NBA license, that was kind of the inflection point where I realized in this space. I'm using that to then be able to leverage us to get not only more licenses, but just everything from a credibility perspective. It's like, you know, if you have blue chip licenses like Muhammad Ali and the NBA, and you have blue chip partnerships with entrepreneurs like Gary Vee and Damon John, it makes it a lot easier to go talk to other entrepreneurs and other licenses. So another piece of advice that I would say to, to all the people out there is just, you know, life and business is a game of leverage. 
and you need to fight and scrap your way to get that first piece. And when you get that first piece, things will, will get easier. Then people don't realize it's the hardest, obviously, to get the first one, but you got to do everything in your power to get that first one. I mean, I, ironically enough, I was here in Las Vegas. I, um, day before the Las Vegas licensing expo, I had no appointments, no tickets, no nothing. I just walked in with my headphones, walked around. And there was this big booth, ABG, Authentic Brands Group. It's actually the third, second, I think now, biggest licensing company in the world. They had the licensing rights. Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley, Shaq. They bought Tap Out. They bought Reebok, Muhammad Ali. I went, I asked for an appointment. And they said, fuck off. I went home that night on LinkedIn and I started looking at all their employees. And then I started remembering what people looked like and seeing who potentially could resonate with me. And there's this one guy, he doesn't work there anymore. His name's Luke Walsh. He looked like he'd be my friend. So I went and said I had an appointment with Luke Walsh and he was like laughing that I didn't have an appointment with him. <laughs> and then I just kept trying and trying and trying. And then I became friends with this guy that was trying to give me the license for uh, the San Diego Zoo. I remember he works for a soccer team now. He's a nice guy. He's like, man, if you want to get an appointment, you got to go the last day at the end because no one really has appointments because everybody's hungover and tired. So long story short, I obviously knew what Luke looked like at that point via LinkedIn and via shouting his name. And I went to the end and I go, Luke, give me, give, give me, give me 10, 15 minutes. And I went at the end, last day, last appointment, and took me 15, 20 minutes to, to buy myself a chance and to cut to the chase. We got the license and our first quarter, we beat their 20 year plus poster licensee. And then I leveraged that to the NBA. And then I got more licenses under the ABG umbrella, Elvis Presley, Marilyn Monroe. And then I just went, Leverage, 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 leverage. And yeah, that's how life works is you got to get that credibility and that social proofing. It's very rare. It's way harder to get Luke to say yes, that first guy, than to get the second, third, fourth, 10th guy. Yeah. Wow. What a story. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. What are your favorite motivational sayings or ideas, Mark? Keep going. That was a piece that went off pretty big. It still does well. The Muhammad Ali piece, keep going. Uh, we have that quote repurposed across a couple other athletes. The Michael Jordan one's really, really cool. I would say that I have tattooed on my leg, rest at the end, not in the middle. It's a Kobe Bryant quote from his uh, seventh grade English teacher. And for me, I love the journey. I enjoy the journey. I love what I do, man. I, I don't know how to explain it. Like It's hysterical. I'm here in Vegas right now. Now I'm court for, I don't know if you're going to see the video, but uh, it was my birthday. I don't even care. It was my birthday on... Uh, I think Tuesday. Didn't tell anybody. Nobody even knew. Didn't even celebrate it. I guess I'm here now kind of taking a playoff. My, my buddy works for the UFC. But like, I just, I don't even care. Like one of my favorite quotes is from Ed Milet. It's the only thing that's more fun than fun is winning. And for me, I love the journey and the business and winning. So rest at the end, not in the middle. We have that piece. Ironically enough, it doesn't do that well. <laughs> but for anybody out there that's a real savage, that has a goal, which, um, you know, there is an end goal at this. I don't share publicly. It's internally known by myself, my business partner. But for me, if you're an entrepreneur, you're always, you're on 24 seven. So for me, you know, obviously I take a little mental breaks. I'm taking a little mental break right now, but for me, you'll see like a real smile on my face. Um, when we achieve that goal at the end. Yeah. Outstanding. Yep. Let's rewind to talk a little bit about some of the people who inspired you. What did you do in working with Jay Abraham? Jay Abraham. Wow. So Jay Abraham, 
I was CMO of that hack company, Melon. I had no business being labeled CMO of that company. I was a young scrapper from New York. I was like 25. And I got thrust into this role, which was a pretty big kind of corporate title. And they were like, all of you know, my two business partners were like, hey, you got to like learn like traditional marketing and be studying this type of stuff. And when they kind of really were kind of pushing me around that, I started getting, I would say like lessons and consulting sessions from some pretty big icons in the space. One of them is uh, Brian Garofalo, who's been the CMO of a ton of companies. I think he was CMO of DC, uh, Ivy Vision, that company with Rob Deerdeck, a bunch of big companies. And uh, when I started kind of consulting with them, I did an event at Lavo in New York. It was a brunch with Mark Cuban and Damon John. I became very good friends with uh, Damon John's right hand. His name is Ted, which that came back seven years later to then get a partnership with Iconic, by the way, which is funny. I just was just kept, you know, asking Ted questions and Damon questions and did more research on Damon because I was obviously doing the event with him. And I saw that he talked about this guy, Jay Abraham. And then when I went back and started talking about this guy, Brian, my business partner at Mellon, had like just recently engaged with him to get like consulting from Jay. So they had a kind of their own relationship and Brian had all of these kind of zip drives and everything with his stuff. And then I just started studying all of his stuff, like an absolute psycho. Like I have like hundreds and hundreds of pages, like old word docs, any YouTube video you've ever seen. I started studying him. Yeah. And then I was speaking at an event in Arizona two and a half years ago. And some kid at the end was like, Hey, he was like a fan. So he knew like the books that I read. And he's like, tell us one book or one person that you study that no one would know that's undercover. And that's like, has really helped you. And I go, Jay Abraham. After that, this kid named Connor Blakely, this 16 year old kid walks up to me. He goes, do you want to get dinner with Jay Abraham? I'm like, <laughs> fuck yes. So of course. He's like, done. Two and a half weeks later, I have like a six o'clock dinner with Connor and Jay Abraham. I get a text at like 5.30 from Connor being like, hey, I got in like a little mini uh, fender bender. Do you mind just taking the meeting without me? I was like, sure. So I met Jay at six o'clock and it was three and a half, four hour dinner. It's the same first conversation I had with Gary. Like he knew right away that I had studied his work and I was talking about his strategies and techniques in my business which the core thesis of Jay is taking these strategies and these growth strategies into all of these different businesses where he would take what he learned from a construction business and then put it in a consumer products business. Right. So he was, so he was blown away. I don't drink scotch. I remember we had a bottle of scotch. We got super drunk and yeah, stayed in touch since good. I actually, I actually should text him. So that's a good reminder. And yeah, he's just a guy that, you know, I have different types of mentors. He's like a guy that I haven't spoke to him probably six months, seven months, I'll check in there. And then I have people like Gary, who I talk to obviously more regularly. And then I would say um, for people listening from like a mentor perspective, I mean, I have a, a group and circle of friends that all own some pretty successful, mostly direct to consumer businesses that I'm a bunch of people on this probably know. You guys have probably heard of, you know, the melons of the world, uh, Cuts Clothing, uh, Venus at the Floor, the Flower Company, movement watches, uh, Trump mm -hmm. sauce are, are my good friends. And yeah, we're just always talking to each other about different ways to kind of help each other's business. But the people out there listening, um, I'm sure you have a, you know, a bunch of people that are on the younger side as well. You have to align yourself and, and just understand and know that 
you know, they always say, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang out with. That is so true. And then also what you consume. A big thing that I learn from my buddies is uh, we all listen to the same podcasts. So we're always, if you want to learn about crypto, you, you know, NFTs, you listen to overpriced JPEGs. If you want to learn about the economy, you listen to, you know, the all in podcast. So it's kind of identifying what you want to learn about. And then we always share stuff to listen to and watch. So a lot of my quote unquote mentors are like my uh, friends. You know what I'm saying? My friends who some of them are dusting me. They're doing nine figures in revenue, just absolutely crushing it. So it's inspiring. Yeah. Well, I love that you're aligning yourself with a group of like-minded people who are achieving a lot of the same things, have a lot of the same ambitions. And that, that certainly is a great way for anybody to uplift themselves and keep moving in a positive direction. So great stuff. Yes, great sir. stuff. Yeah. What about, uh, let's talk about Cutco for a little bit. Your experience selling Cutco back to summer of 04. What lessons can you remember from, from the experience? Cutco. First off, that's a damn good product. That's a damn, <laughs> that's a, that's a damn. And I don't, I don't remember uh, the technical stuff, but I remember the, uh, the thin silver, like it has to go through to the bottom of the knife for it to be a good knife. And I remember that was like one of the things. And every time I look at a knife, I'm like, is this a good knife or not? Yeah. I mean, a bunch of things I learned, I think first it would be what I mentioned earlier, that people do business with people. If you walk in that house and they don't like you, they're not buying. So I think that's first, first and foremost, is you have to make sure that you're a likable person and make sure you dissect the human, the situation and the environment. I did door-to-door sales actually two years after that. And one of the things I learned was form, family, occupation, recreation, and money walking in somewhere and kind of identifying kind of all of those hot points and then finding common ground and then exploring those areas. So I would say the first thing I learned was people do business with people. When I would make sales, it would be the people that like me. I would say uh, second is one of the most important lessons in life. And I really did truly learn it there. If you don't ask, you don't get. That's just life. But I can't tell you, if you go, go and look at my history there was probably a bunch that I only sold this one product. It was that flat big knife that was good for bagels where you can cut it and then you can put that cream cheese on it. The spatula um, spreader. That's a good, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. That is a good one. So yeah, I mean, that would be the one that I would, I would just straight up ask people. I'm going to be like, I remember asking people like, do you, you know, do you like bagels? Do you eat bagels? A lot of the people that I went to were like, my mom's friends that would like order in bagels and they'd have bagels like during, you know, the weekends, every weekend they get fresh bagels. I was like, do you get bagels every weekend? And they're like, yeah. I was like, well, this is the best thing right now. You need to have this one. So I would, I think another thing is kind of isolating objections and then finding out where the W's are. Obviously you want to get the biggest W possible. But uh, again, I, I'd be curious to know like what my sales history was, but a bunch was just that. There were some people that clearly were just taking the meeting as a favor to like my parents. <laughs> so uh, I found the win there. And I can say the last thing I would touch on with that, which is another thing that's huge in business and in life, was if I would go into three in a row and I would only sell that one spatula, at least I'd get a win. And one of the most important things is momentum, guys. Momentum in life and in business is everything. Absolutely everything externally, internally, with your team, with the numbers. We've had a lot, a lot of wins. We've had some L's. And like right now, the thing that I'm most excited about is the last four months, 
everything is trending up. That makes me so happy because my team knows that there's momentum that makes them work harder and want it more. They're building towards something. They see wins. So for anybody out there, just don't leave that damn appointment without getting that, that one win. The other, the other low hanger is that scissor. You got to sell that scissor or that <laughs> one, one of those. You, you got you to cut the penny. I remember that. Great scissor, great spatula. The rest of the stuff uh, I can't go into detail about. But yeah, it, it was great, man. It was like, I would recommend anybody doing door-to-door sales and stuff like Cutco because it's just such a good entryway into entrepreneurship. Sales and social skills are just so important in life. So like that set me up for my next job when I was in LA and I was doing door to door in Compton to Beverly Hills to Inland Empire selling energy efficient coding and windows. So like Cutco was a great prerequisite where like I at least was comfortable like knocking on doors and going sitting on couches and giving presentations. But I can't tell you how well that has served me in life. It has been, I mean, my offspring might do Cutco. Who knows? Yeah, I hope so. That'd be cool, especially Let's if they, especially if you if you uh, get back to California because uh, that's my territory. So there you go. Um, Love it. Hey, so I I have heard you say something along the lines of the economy now is a skills and knowledge economy. It's not a jobs and resume economy. And you have promoted for you know people the importance of investing in themselves. Anything you can say about that to the Cutco Vector audience? I mean, the our audience is full of young entrepreneurs that want to be rainmakers in the future. And I think that that concept is really an important one. Maybe you could expound upon that briefly. Yeah. I would just say it in its simplest form is you just got to become undeniable. Like for me, I kept getting, I just didn't catch my break, but like I knew there was other people winning and I could destroy these people, but I just didn't catch my break yet. So like for everybody out there, if you keep investing in yourself, podcasts, YouTubes, I mean, all we, like when I'm working out, it's podcasts all the time. I'm always studying, learning, listening. I could go into the most random place and find out, you know, if I'm at a restaurant, I want to ask like, are you guys pooling tips? Or are you getting tips by yourself? What's your, just figuring out everything. You want to learn something everywhere you go. In every situation, there's, there's a way to learn. If you do that, it's inevitable you'll win. You have to work hard, not be a piece of shit, and study and learn and listen. And I can assure you that if you take that approach, that I'm talking about like aggressively, like work hard, study during the weekends. I mean, you're going to hit a W before you're 35. I, I don't see how you don't, to be honest with you. Then I would say the last thing as far as uh, investing in yourself this is something I've never said on a podcast and it's ironic because I'm here in Vegas and like I, I mentioned that like I haven't had really had like a drink in a couple months and I had one drink yesterday. Investing in your health and fitness has such a ripple effect on everything else. I don't even really care to drink anymore. I really, really don't. I just want to win. All that does is just get in the way of everything. So I think that getting into a great place mentally and physically and you know finding a way to do a little bit of exercise and getting in front of the sun and eating healthy. That's something that people will be very, very surprised at how, how much that ties into business. What's ironic is athletes want to become entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are starting to train like athletes. You know, look at Bezos. He's fucking shredded. You don't find, you don't find many of the biggest, biggest business bosses in the world out of shape. 
Like they're all in shape. That's not by surprise for everybody listening. If you start training your body and your mind as if like you're training for like the Olympics, like for me, like I'm in Vegas and like I trained this morning, like I'm training, I've gotten into a way better situation and I'm starting to see it affect. It has such a ripple effect in business and opportunities in the people I attract into my life. There's a certain level of respect you have to have when like, if I go and have a meeting with someone at 10 o'clock in the morning, Dan, and I rode a half marathon before that, what are you going to say? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to say this guy's on savage mode. He's focused, he's locked in and he cares. He's disciplined. Training yourself to be disciplined is discipline is everything. That's what it all comes down to. It's picking the stuff that, you know, could be suffering now, but you'll win later. So for everybody out there, study, read books, listen to podcasts, listen to videos on YouTube. And you want to be our whole entire world has changed. It wasn't always like this, but the new cool guy is the smart guy. That's what this world is, guys. Be the smart guy. The smart guy is undeniable. There's always a spot at the table for the smart guy. End of story. Be the smart guy. That's all I got to say. Awesome stuff, man. I appreciate it. Uh, this has been great, Mark. I appreciate all the value you have brought. I thank you for making the time and for having some great insights to share with our audience. And uh, congratulations again on your great success and keep it going, man. I appreciate you. Everybody listening wants to get some great motivational art for the home, the office, iconic.com. I-K-O-N-I-C-K.com. Check it out. And for everybody out there listening, Dan practices what he preaches. He has been on me via email and via text. Two times I had a push. I pushed today. We were supposed to do it this morning. This guy's on top of it. So for anybody out there that's especially on your team, he practices what he preached. So respect to you for that. And uh, yeah, I appreciate anybody out there listening. And uh, yeah, see you out there. Thanks, man. Mark Mastrandrea, everyone, a.k.a. Mark Brazil. Starting with the motto at Iconic, we don't sell art, we sell passion. Just think about, does what you do reflect who you are, right? Iconic reflected Mark and his partner, Jeff Cole, reflected the DNA of the founders. And that's how they knew that they had found the right opportunity to build. Uh, he put a lot of hard work in in the early days, as he referenced. He talked about the importance of getting that first win and then the importance of building momentum. That was really cool. And then I appreciate that he also was willing to share how much he studies and works on his craft, constantly listening to podcasts, reading books, right? Studied all of Jay Abraham's stuff and that he has networked with and aligned himself with like-minded other entrepreneurs, many of his friends who run similar organizations and are building something. Of course, also aligning himself with Gary Vee, as he said, and learning a lot from him. And then uh, the importance of staying authentic, that people do business with people. So it's important to connect with others. And if you are your authentic self, you will connect with the people who resonate with you and your mission. Mark wrapped up by talking about the importance of staying disciplined in everything that you do and how that helps 
take you to the eventual success that you want. I hope that you enjoyed this today. I hope that you can take these ideas from Mark Brazil and that it can help you to become undeniable. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.